0: Almost 20 years together, every element and aspect of our relationship became a higher function. It was a higher order relationship. The closeness, the togetherness, the attraction for each other. And um, I'm just a guy who figured some things out. It's possible for anybody. And my clients certainly can attest to that. But you have to know what to do and you have to know what to stop doing. And there are some simple mistakes that people make. It really put each other at, at odds. And if you can just stop making the simple mistakes, then the marriage itself can stabilize and then it has a chance to improve.
1: Thanks for joining us on today's episode. Just a quick apology. We had a brief audio glitch about two-thirds through the episode. Today, Liz and I have a great conversation with Jeff Fort, a relationship expert and author of the books The 90-Minute Marriage Miracle and Be Happy Forever. Jeff has experienced both a divorce and the death of his second wife. He's learned so much from these experiences and shares some of this today. I also love the fact that Jeff has discovered that the best marriages are more than communication skills in managing conflict. He talks about the importance of emotional connection and alignment. You can find Jeff on Facebook at Peak Results Coaching and his website is 90minutemarriagemiracle.com that's 90 minute marriage miracle.com we hope you enjoy the show welcome to stronger marriage connection i am dr dave Schramm, a professor and family life extension specialist at usu i'm here alongside our psychologist dr liz hill as co-host we are dedicating our life's work to bringing you the best in marital research along with a few tips and Tools and principles to help you create the marriage of your dreams. Today's guest is Jeff Fort, a relationship expert who's written two books, The 90-Minute Marriage Miracle and Be Happy Forever. Mm-hmm. He combines experience in the business sector with years of figuring out how to make marriages better. Jeff, welcome to Stronger Marriage Connection. I'm
0: really grateful to be here with you both. Thank you.
2: Uh, Glad to have you.
1: Yes, we're grateful to have you on here. Hey, before we get into the really the heart and the meat of of marriage and what turns difficult marriages around, Jeff, can we talk a little bit about your work with troubled teens after you first left the financial Wall Street world? There was a common theme among these youth you wished parents and couples better understood. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes, I... uh, when I left the financial industry, I decided I was going to open a coaching practice and I was kind of tired of the business element and talking to business people all day long. And I thought, well, I could work with teens. They need confidence. So let me try that. And I opened up a uh, coaching, uh, teens. I opened up a confidence coaching for teens element. And what I got was a quite a shock. I got suicidal teens. I got self-harm cutters, burners, uh, severe depression, I got the gamut. And uh, fortunately, I had some skills from getting a certification in strategic intervention from the Robbins Madonna Center for Strategic Intervention. So I knew what to do to handle some of these things. But nonetheless, I was quite surprised. And the thing that surprised me the most was that every teen that I saw who was struggling with something that I would consider to be significant, was coming from a home where either there was a divorce or a completely dysfunctional relationship, I did not have one teen that I viewed as having significant issues that came from a stable household Wow, and that was a very uh, kind of an eye opening thing that i didn 't expect
1: mm. wow yeah we, when you think about the, the really the foundation that relationships have, hence our stronger marriage connection when that connection is strong. It doesn't mean that, you know, teens won't have struggles and problems, but man, it really sure provides the foundation where then parents can have that strong relationship with their child.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can go back in time when I was uh, eight years old, I remember writing a note to my mom and dad asking them to stop fighting. They never even addressed the note. They didn't say a word to me. And uh, I then remember a, a situation, maybe when I was 10 or so. I was helping my uncle with some things. And I remember him saying, you know, we have to do this because I don't want to listen to her. He didn't want to go home and have to listen to his wife. And I thought to myself, I don't even know what that means, but I don't like that. And then when I was, I think I was 14 or 13, I remember my dad having a phone conversation, telling a woman that he loved her and I knew it wasn't my mom. Mm. So I had some individual experiences that were Uh, Kind of a gateway into how I would view relationships. You know, I my my thinking is that we are conditioned, you know, unknowingly and and certainly unintentionally. Our parents are not trying to condition us in relationships because my sense was that we are either going to figure it out or we're going to be or we're going to struggle. But we ultimately will model to a certain extent what we experienced ourselves. Hopefully, those are great relationships. If not, amazing. It
2: it has to be the most important job in the whole wide world to be a parent. And Jeff, you talk really openly that your parents' divorce was really difficult for you.
0: Yes, um, it was uh, so difficult that I vowed I would never get a divorce. And within five years, my marriage ended. So you can imagine my disappointment Mm -hmm. at vowing that would never happen to me, and lo and behold, it did. I was pretty much a clueless guy, and I, you know, I can credit my. Conditioning, so to speak, to some of that and my own cluelessness, and something we 'll probably get into later on, but my prioritization of everything else that uh, turned into benign oh,
2: yeah that's such a good term. I love mm. that it is so disappointing, isn't it when your your whole heart is in marriage and you vow like i'm never going to go down the road like my parents did, and then lo and behold, there we are right in an unhappy marriage, and you have been very candid, candid that traditional marriage therapy was not that effective when you were married the first time.
0: No, it was actually rather surprising because um it was more about blame and finger pointing and the therapist at the time recommended we get divorced. And I thought this is kind of crazy. There's no ideas about solutions, no no way of looking into the deeper levels of what's really going on between us and ultimately we did get divorced and I and that was another key decision in my life that I would never allow this to happen to me again. I would figure this out on my own. I wasn't going to put myself through that again. And so when I began to struggle when I remarried 6 years later, uh that created a real opportunity for me to learn what was needed in order to create a great relationship.
2: Good for you. We're never we never stop learning, do we?
0: No, and a relationship allows us a, a an awesome platform to do that.
1: Yeah, Jeff, you and your wife, I believe we're married um just under 20 years, is that right? Yes. And then lost her about uh three and a half years ago. Is that right? Oh, yes, that's right.
2: I'm so sorry. Oh,
1: man, I, I can't I mean just heartbroken our our hearts go out to you, Jeff. Um you and your and your uh your children. You you mentioned that you just absolutely loved her and it wasn't um it wasn't easy. I mean, what what was that like for you and, and how has that impacted the way that you, you work with others and your the couples that you work with?
0: Well, this is kind of an interesting uh journey for me so not only did i have to um learn what to do in order to create a reconnecting deeply loving relationship once i had established that she got a cancer diagnosis and then this emotional upheaval hit her anger sadness depression overwhelm and and I had thought, oh, my God, I just got the relationship to where I wanted it to be. We have such this amazing relationship. And now she's distant and she's frozen in a world of emotions that I certainly was not able to relate to. While I was compassionate, for sure, and empathetic, but it, it was her going through this emotional experience that I then had another learning curve of now what's needed. And so I had to kind of rethink my approach and to learn to be significantly more patient with her process and so um, this unfolding of my own journey has created kind of a high level understanding of the stress that people go through the emotional upheavals that come in up you know that come from time to time with life events whether it's a parent with Alzheimer's mm-hmm. or a sick child or a partner who's experiencing some traumatic event in life how do we process those things how does it affect the relationship and Anyway, I found that uh, throughout this process that I had to elevate myself. I had to initiate different types of things in order to respond to what I viewed as an emotional chaos that could go from anger to sadness in any moment.
2: Mm. Wow. wow. And prior to Daddy's terrible diagnosis, I just can't even imagine that. Um, you kept in mind a vision for your marriage. I've always loved this, Jeff, and wanted to really dive in more with you on what that was. You didn't go, you didn't focus on what was wrong with her or, or the regrets of the past. You focused on on how you wanted it to be. I believe.
0: Yeah, this uh, this came from my business world experience. You know, we have these goals in life, and we have these goals about retirement and this vision of how we're going to spend our retirement years, maybe your kids' education. But I didn't really have a vision for my marriage. And when I started to think about a vision, I began to think about what was really most important. It wasn't the things we were going to do. It was how we were going to be with each other. And it, I really fine-tuned it into what do I want to feel like when we're together? I wanted to feel deeply connected always. And when I started asking clients questions, you know, what's your vision for your marriage? I, I began to hear what I don't want. I don't want stress. I don't want to feel disconnected. I don't want to feel unattractive to them. I, I don't want this um, walking on eggshells around each other. And so those are not visions. What you don't want isn't a vision. And so I talk to clients continuously about how are you feeling when you're in each other's presence and what do you ideally want that to be? And then we work to facilitate that.
2: I love that whole idea. I really
1: do. We'll be right back after this brief message.
2: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport.
1: (laughs) There's desperation and anguish.
2: More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Welcome back to the Stronger Marriage Connection podcast. I love that, Jeff. Just that feeling of closeness and connection. Because in, in the research, when we ask couples what they really want, it is. It's, they want to be heard. They want to be noticed and appreciated. And ultimately, they want to feel connected. So we don't have 90 minutes, right, to jump into the 90-minute marriage miracle, right, to, to uh, help us in our, in our relationships. But you've written a book, The 90-Minute Marriage Miracle. Can you give us an overview of the book?
0: Sure. The book uh, really is specific strategies and ideas that you can use right now to Fix almost any element of your relationship from struggles in communication to feelings of disconnection to lack of appreciation to affairs uh, to dealing with stress. Uh, it's kind of uh, I believe in the world of effectiveness. And my mindset comes from the business world is does this work? Is it effective or not? Mm-hmm. Is this useful, helpful, beneficial or supportive to getting me what I want or is it not? And if it's not, is it because I'm hurt? I'm upset in the past? I'm just pissed off at them? What are the reasons and can I overcome them in order to do my part to elevate the relationship?
2: I love your book, Jeff. And you and I think all three of us agree that even when just one person changes in the partnership, the dance can't help but change. Sometimes you only work with one person, one partner. Yeah. Is that right?
0: Yes. It's not unusual for me to work with one person because the other person is just not interested Mm -hmm. or circumstances, the other person may be having an affair. And so for any number of reasons, I could work with one person. And and in my experience, if one person is absolutely committed and the other person isn't done, right, isn't mentally checked out, then the relationship can be transformed. And I've had a great deal of success working with uh, just one partner, even when there's an affair, even when another person has moved out. Wow.
2: When things look so bleak, you, you still have hope. I'm so sorry to, to hear about your experience of marriage therapy when you were married the first time, how they started just saying, oh, maybe you guys should just divorce. That just makes me shudder, you know? And I also think about what, what mistakes have I made in the marriage therapy practice. But you really focus on what can be done, what, what needs to be changed, not what's going wrong, but what's going well and what could even go better.
0: I viewed, I had kind of a different level of thinking about a marriage. I wanted an extraordinary relationship. Yeah. I wanted something, I wanted to feel connected forever. I wanted to have a desire and passion for each other. And, you know, the, you have this rumor out there in the world and maybe the reality for some people, which is the peak of passion, the peak of attraction is the first couple of years and then everything goes into decline. And I didn't believe that was true. I thought, what's possible if you have two committed people who are willing and able to do whatever is needed to elevate the relationship? What's really possible between two people who love each other? And in my experience, everything continues to get yeah. better. And over that almost 20 years together, every element and aspect of our relationship became a higher function. It was a higher order relationship, the closeness, the togetherness, the attraction for each other. And um, I'm just a guy who figured some things out. It's possible for anybody. And my clients certainly can attest to that. But you have to know what to do and you have to know what to stop doing. And there are some simple mistakes that people make that really put each other at, at odds. And if you can just stop making the simple mistakes then the marriage itself can stabilize, and then it has a chance to improve. And my book talks about the specific things that people can do in order to stabilize the relationship and then to elevate.
2: it. Stop doing certain things and start doing other other things, right? One of my favorite terms you've coined, I wish I'd thought of it myself, Jeff, is benign neglect. That's just crucial, I think. Would you tell our listeners a little bit more about benign neglect?
0: yeah in a moment of self honesty which i've I like to shine the spotlight of truth on myself Me too. from time to time in a moment of self- honesty, I realized that my original marriage that ended in divorce after five years it was a third it was number three on my priority list. first was my career, second was my family and friends, and last number three was my marriage and a marriage cannot thrive when it's number three on your priority list. So unintentionally, right, these are not things that we do on purpose. We don't make things more important in the relationship. We don't spend time elsewhere instead of with our spouse. We don't devote extra energy away from the relationship. Or even when we're there, we're not caught up in our phones on purpose, avoiding and neglecting our spouse, right? But we do these things unintentionally. And lo and behold, a disconnect begins to appear. And the longer those little bits of benign neglect occur, the greater the chasm of disconnect.
1: Hmm. That's really powerful, Jeff. I, I think that most couples, right, they go into it, they, they don't get married to get divorced, and they, they say, yes, I'm committed, and yes, I want this passion. And then a lot of distractions and stress comes. I'm curious, have you seen a theme of stresses, of struggles that couples come to you with, and COVID, how has COVID been a part of this? How does that enter the equation the last couple of years?
0: Yes. Uh, early on, I learned that um, individual stress is the fastest way to create disconnect because that individual stress spills into the partner life. And we've had two plus years of COVID lockdown, different uh, struggles that people have had individually around careers or schooling or kids at home. And, remote learning, remote work. And so you've got really kind of upheaval in people's lives that would have created a a heightened level of tension. And oftentimes we're not aware of this. And my feeling is that we all are carrying an extra burden of tension. And so how I manage my own stress is of critical importance in dealing and interacting with the family. I may not be aware of the stress that I'm under, but my patience level may be a little bit shortened. I may have kind of a, a hair trigger around what I'm willing to accept and tolerate in terms of being empathetic or compassionate versus intolerant, as an mm-hmm. example. And so these these little dynamics occur normally, but with COVID, they get exaggerated. And then you have the dynamics of who's jabbed, who's not, what does that mean? Um, what does that mean in terms of the the effect on the family dynamic? And I've seen tremendous upheaval because of because of those pieces.
2: Mm. Oh, and you work quite a bit with annulities, and yet no one wakes up saying today's the day I'm going to ruin this marriage. But we get off track. Tra- tra- How does that happen?
0: Yes, uh, that's right. The feeling of being in love is one of the most profound feelings that human beings can have Uh, the idea of being so close with somebody that you don't want them to go away and uh, what happens is through some elements of benign neglect and through some elements of stress that in my opinion take people out of this natural balance of masculine and feminine which are the attracting elements uh, because passion is the glue that holds the relationship together in my opinion but if I've found that if somebody has a feeling of not being in love anymore, just loving their partner, but not the feelings of being in love, conflicts increase, stress builds, a a lack of sex starts to take over the marriage. I've also found, though, that when when the right balance of masculine and feminine exists, that people can, in fact, fall back in love, that the conflicts will diminish, the struggles and stress will go away. And if if people think back to how things were in the beginning of the relationship, there's this, this idea that communication is, is a requirement in a relationship. And one of the things that I've never done is helped couples work on communication skills. For me, communication struggles are simply a symptom of a disconnected relationship. So if I don't fix the disconnect, they can talk about whatever they want. But behavioral changes have to occur. And so my all my work is about what behavioral shifts are needed to get the result that you want. And the masculine feminine piece has to go back to what originally created the sparks of attraction between the two of you. What was that like uh, when the two of you existed in a in a most harmonious and attraction-based way?
1: So, Jeff, recently you've been considering how presence is a key in marriage and and how space and proximity can close the gaps and smooth over challenges. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Yes, uh, presence is a very important thing in how we show up for each other, so to speak. And uh, for me, presence is nonverbal primarily. What does that Mm -hmm. look like when I arrive at home and the wife is waiting for me? What's the greeting like? What's my facial expression like? What are my eyes saying when she talks to me? What is my body language like? And, And when couples struggle, one of the things that unconsciously happens is a physical distance begins. We don't necessarily sit so closely on the couch together. Maybe somebody's on a couch, somebody's on a chair. Maybe the kitchen proximity to each other becomes a little bit different. And so. The awareness of what's happened to the space between us can be used to bring back and restore connection. And so I teach couples kind of step by step how to create more presence that deepens connection. And a great deal of it has nothing to do with what's said. It has to do with the subtle things of how I show up to be with my partner every single day without saying a word.
1: Man. I love that concept, Jeff. I'm just telling you that this, I think this is powerful and I hope listeners really are grasping what is said, because it is what we talk about. Stronger marriage connection of, and I have said this, Jeff, lack of attention leads to loss of connection when we're not there, when we're not all in, in that relationship and being present and noticing body language and how we get turning toward all of these are, are powerful, which leads to my last last one of my last questions. And that is, um a lot of people say hey you know um money challenges lack of communication you know affairs that's the cause of of divorce but I think you and I see things uh, a little bit differently tell tell us your thoughts on that
0: I'm kind of a simplistic thinker I guess I view the primary cause of divorce as either two two specific things the first is disconnect I don't feel connected at all to my partner and then we have to dig into what those reasons are. This lack of feeling of being in love is a, is a symptom of disconnect. Communication struggles, conflicts are, for me, a symptom of disconnect. And then the other piece is misalignment. I'm a spender, you're a saver. I view marriage as doing what I want. I, and I view the roles in the house as you do this, I do that. And so if there's continuous conflict from misalignment about how we view marriage, how we view our roles, how we view life, those things often also lead to divorce and separation.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I've always or I like to say that it's it's difference in fruits and roots in a relationship. That the fruits are the communication and the sexual relationship. The roots are that connection, like you've talked about. When we're on the same page, then the fruits of the relationship are more likely to to be evident. So yeah, yeah love, love yeah. that concept. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Hey, Jeff, as we wrap up this, we want to be sure that listeners know where to go to to find more information about you, uh, the books, the information that you share. Where can listeners go?
0: They can go to 90MinuteMarriageMiracle.com, the number 9090, MinuteMarriageMiracle.com. And there's all kinds of information there, so articles they can read, things that they can do right away, as well as the
1: books. Oh, awesome. Well, this has been such a joy, uh, Jeff, before we let you go at the end of each episode, we'd like to share a takeaway of the day. Do you have something that you, that you want to tell listeners and hope that they'll remember?
0: Yes. Each interaction allows a new opportunity to create a different result. In any conversation with any human being, only one of three things is happening. You're either diminishing the other person, you're supporting the other person, or you're elevating the experience of this conversation. And so be cognizant of what you're doing in each specific interaction and use the next interaction in order to bring more connectedness yeah, to your
1: life. That's fantastic. I think my takeaway of the day has to do with something that you said earlier, and that's just that presence. Really, that being the physical presence, it's the nonverbals, it's how you see each other, the smile, the greeting, the turning toward, the non- the little subtle touches, that, that that kind of stuff that really can create that that connection. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, thanks again, Jeff. We sure appreciate you uh, having you on, the insights, the discussion that we've had, lots of of great little marriage insights. And we hope to see you next time, listeners. Thanks for joining us today on the Stronger Marriage Connection. Thanks for joining us today. Do us a favor and take a few minutes, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our podcast and the Utah Marriage Commission YouTube channel. Leave a review and share with a friend. You can also follow and message us on Instagram at Stronger Marriage Life and on Facebook at Stronger Marriage. We'd love to hear from you. Tell us what topics you want us to explore or what you loved about today's episode. And don't forget to check out our website, StrongerMarriage.org, for show notes and more great resources from the Utah Marriage Commission for improving your relationship connection. Finally, a big thanks to Utah State University Extension, Rex Polonis, Kirsten Wilson, and the Utah Marriage Commission for producing each episode.